Hello, it's me again. So this week it looks like we are exploring business and technology through uh, some historical perspectives. And so we covered Blockbuster, we covered music players, uh, and today we're going to cover Oracle. Uh, Oracle being uh, not by anyone's imagination a cool database, uh, but uh, today it is viewed as legacy. But in its day, it's extremely successful. And to be honest, right now it's the two hundred billion dollar company still, um, and uh, it's kind of laughing in the face. Of all the hot companies that were cooler than it, and then uh, faded out and had to do a bunch of layoffs uh, since. And uh, Oracle is just a very, very steady grinder. Uh, obviously, um, you know, probably not the best user experience, uh, but still some business lessons. And uh, I didn't know about this part of the story of, of Oracle, where uh, essentially they had to pivot, and Larry Ellison was very central in identifying the new vision uh, that Oracle had. Okay, so this part I would describe as Oracle AD, after almost death, or AAD, I guess. Um, and really, in this section, I'm going to be highlighting just Larry's business philosophy. This is uh, the book is written in the early 2000s. I think they were together from like 2001 to 2003, thereabout. And this is where Ellison is forced to reorganize Oracle again. And he he realizes like the internet is where he's 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 burning the boats, which is something that he he recommends we do constantly. He's burning the boats and he's reorganizing Oracle around the internet. He thinks that uh, he has an insight that, you know, at the time people think, oh, the internet's going to be great. We're going to be able to, you know, maybe watch some videos, maybe go shopping. And so Ellison's like, no, no, no. It, the internet's going to exponentially increase the the amount of, the importance of databases. And that's exactly the, the main product of Oracle, right? And what I would say is his edge here is that um, he was knowing what could, what could be true before anybody else. So let's go to the book for that. What happened was that Ellison had understood better than anyone the potential impact of the internet on the enterprise computing in general and on Oracle in particular. While the technology analysts confidently predicted the maturing of the database market, meaning, oh, it's saturated, right? Ellison, Ellison's like, no, you're out of your mind. The market's going to be 10x larger than it even is now. Maybe 100x, whatever the number is. Ellison realized that the internet would exponentially increase both the number of database transactions and the number of people who would interact with Oracle's databases. That would mean more license growth than the analysts had ever dreamed of. This is a way of thinking about his goal for Oracle at the time and why he why he went all in on the internet. His rationale was simple. Oracle could never be hoped to be the number one in enterprise applications as long as client server prevailed. It was always fated to play, se- fated to play second fiddle to SAP, which is a larger competitor at the time. By getting to the internet first... Ellison would force Oracle competitors to become followers. So he winds up. This is we live in the world that or, that that Ellison's predicting. He's like the, the software is not going to run on your computer. It's going to run in the cloud. And so SAP, you're installing it on your computer. But what happens is companies have thousands, maybe tens of thousands of computers. He's like this is stupid. It's clearly better to put all that 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 complexity hi- hidden from customers' view and let us manage it. So he winds up being correctly but correct. But at the time, it was extremely controversial. And so he's going to, and he gets a lot of pushback on this. But then we see Ellison, Ellison tells us his core business philosophy. And he says, you can't get rich by being like everyone else. So he says, Larry Ellison says he's he's happy only when he's, when everyone else thinks he's wrong. The core of his business philosophy is that you can't get rich by doing the same thing as everyone else. In 1977, everyone said I was nuts when I said we were going to build the first commercial relational database. In 1995, everybody said I was nuts when I said the PC was a ridiculous device that was continuously increasing in complexity when it needs to become easier to use and less expensive. So there's a lot of overlap 
between Ellison and his best friend Steve Jobs, including Ellison picks a huge fight with Microsoft. So he's really big on that. You need to pick a fight. There needs to be a, you have to have a clear point of view and you have to compare and contrast that view with with yeah in his case in in his opinion like the biggest and baddest bully you can find. Um, we'll get there. I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. But first, why like how did he arrive at this decision? Right now, again. This, we're 15 years we're living 15 20 years later after you know after this happened it's obvious that he was right to us but at the time he wasn't so he, he explains this and again he, he does so in a very interesting way so his belief at this time this is in 2001 when he's saying this that the internet is the final the final form of computing so he says the internet model is the last model of computing this is it what distinguished Ellison's take on the internet was that he saw it not just as a great way to get information and go shopping, but as a platform for a completely different and infinitely superior kind of computing. Right from the outset, he believed that the internet really did change everything. This is what he says. Internet computing is the last architecture. There will be no new architecture for computing, not in a thousand years, not ever. I know it sounds crazy, but with the internet, computing has adopted the same architecture as all other major networks. So this is, again, him pulling from history. Uh, he's going to compare the architecture of the internet now to the 100, he says, the 100-year-old telephone and electric power networks and the 2,000-year-old aqueduct network. Internet computing centralizes data storage and huge databases and processing on large servers while distributing information on demand across a global network. Internet computing hides complexity provides economies of scale and delivers information faster. So that was his idea. That's what he built his entire, his strategy around. And he had, he's pulled into a meeting and his, 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 his employees are, are mad. They're like, you're, you're ruining, you're pivoting almost 180 degrees away from what, how we've been making money. You're going to, you're going to put the company in danger. And so, in this section I'm about to read to you, this is Larry on not not making the mistake. Don't mistake the present for the future. Okay, so it says, can you guys tell Larry that what he's doing is crazy? He's putting the entire company in danger. This is Larry's response in this meeting. I had heard it all before. Relational databases will never be commercially viable. The customers want client, client server. Blah, 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 blah. They were mistaking the present for the future. It's the worst mistake a tech company can make. Client server was dead. And the people in the room would figure that out at the funeral. But by then, it would be too late for Oracle to change course. We had to change to the internet applications now before the rest figured it out. So he's also eliminating huge parts of his company because he's, it conflicts with his new belief, right? And what's going to happen here is really something that I, I've never forgotten by studying all, and reading all these books about Steve Jobs. It, Steve Jobs would tell you that the further you get away from one, the more complexity you are inviting in. And so Ellison, just like Jobs, had a extreme distaste for complexity. It infuriated him. Um, so it says, in shifting the emphasis away from client server to the internet was controversial within Oracle. The issue reached boiling point with Ellison's decision to halt all further work on client server in early 1998. So it's like, listen, we're all in on the internet. We're not going to keep servicing. They're running multiple versions of the same application. So let me let me tell you, this is how it relates to getting further away from one. It says, one of the problems was that Oracle was now trying to support three different versions of its application suite. Ellison says, we were the only vendor supporting three different modes of operation, terminal, client server, and internet. 
Life isn't hard enough that we had to have three fucking versions. It was unnecessarily complex and I wanted to dump it. So he wants the entire company oriented around and focused on one. We're not doing terminal. We're not doing client server. I don't care if you disagree. We're doing the internet. If you're staying at Oracle, you're going to focus on the internet. You don't like it, leave. Um, that's my interpretation of what Larry's saying right there. Um, so, And then this is Larry on, on change. He says, it has been my experience that people reflexively resist change. Change requires people to rethink the way they work and the way they are organized. When people write down their current processes and the reason why those processes cannot be simplified, so that's interesting. That's actually really smart for all of us to do. Like write down what you're doing and why you're doing it. So he's saying it forces them to carefully and methodically rethink their business. In many cases, um, and I'm not um, immune to this by any means, we do things without thinking them through. It, <laughs> thinking is laborious, and we can't do it for every single thing that we're doing in life. But the important things, you really should write them down. Like this is why, this is what I'm doing, and this is why. Um, and you're going to expose a lot of things. And I'm going to get into like how Oracle was operating. They weren't even thinking through a lot of things that we're doing. So he says, this usually results in business processes being changed as opposed to our software. Simplified, modernized business processes are at least as important as good business software in delivering efficiencies to the enterprise. So to that point, Ellison doesn't see what he, the problem he's trying to solve as a, it, it's, it's a human problem. It's not a software problem, right? So he says, people are willing to automate their current processes, but not change them. And here's the, the, the main message here. They think they're already doing it the right way. You cannot strive for constant self-improvement if you think you're already right. You just can't. Uh, big companies have to standardize their processes across all different locations if they want to automate efficiently. That requires a lot of change. And a lot of resistance to that change is inevitable. Okay. So this also applies to Oracle. And this is, I think, like a, like a cheat code of life. If you just ask why repeatedly, it's a great way to quickly identify things that are poorly thought out, either in others are in yourself. And so Ellison's seeing this in his own company because he's got to not only is he, is he changing what the company's focused on, he's realizing my, like we can't solve problems for other companies if we haven't solved it for ourselves. So he says, wherever Ellison looked, he, he seemed to find glaring examples of inefficiencies, wastefulness, and intellectual sloppiness. A prime example was something called the Energy Center for Excellence. This was intended as a place to showcase Oracle's software for the energy industry. Ellison says that he uncovered plans to spend millions of dollars a year to run the center. So this is Ellison. I asked how much energy software are we plan planning to sell next year? The answer was about $10 million. So I said, does it bother anybody here that we're forecasting sales of $10 million and we're spending $5 million to run an energy center of excellence? Does that strike anyone as strange? So you have you know, dozens, whatever the number is really smart people working there and never no one ever thought to question like is there are we actually getting a return on this investment and so ellison's solution to this he's like i'm going to use the company as a laboratory so he says i decided we're going to test our new applications inside oracle i'm going to turn our entire company into a laboratory if our applications are any good then they should save us money and for the first time i'll actually know and be able to control what's going on inside the company so he talks about one of the main uh, problems that his software is fixing is that there's data data there's data in all kinds of companies everywhere but there's no information there's no actual useful information that's coming out of that data this is really dumb like we should we should be providing we should not be saying hey we're going to store your data we're going to be saying hey give us your data and, and in return you're going to get insights that help you run your business better right and so he, he realizes that there's 
there's so much duplication of effort. And he thinks that's a massive problem inside companies because all these this data is siloed. And he's like, well, how much is this duplication of effort costing people? Um, so he realizes how much it's costing Oracle, and he uses the story in sales presentations. And I think the story is really interesting. So it says, Allison's favorite example of the way this system operated was the, was the work of the supposedly powerful pricing committee. Now, this is Ellison's story that tells you how you could be his, 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 telling his customers how they could be wasting money. If they, his whole thing is like, you should have one central database and all applications should run on top of that database. Stop having 15 different databases that are not talking to each other. The pricing co- committee was responsible for deciding how much we should charge for our products. So we do some competitive analysis. What's IBM charging? What's Microsoft charging? How does our product compare? What are the market dynamics? And then we'd make a decision and we'd say, okay, we're going to charge $10,000 per processor. We'd then introduce an updated price list and send it across the hall to our global sales headquarters. Unfortunately, our global sales team had their own pricing people who felt they weren't doing their jobs unless they did their own analysis. They'd say, Larry's an engineer. What does he know about setting prices? We're salespeople. We know pricing. So they'd reset the price to $20,000 per processor and they'd send out a pricing memo to our European headquarters in Geneva. Of course, we had another pricing team in Geneva that redid that analysis and reset the price once more. They'd say, what do Americans know about selling software in Europe? We're Europeans. We live in Europe. So the team in Geneva decides that the right price for Europe is $15,000 per processor. And they'd send that price out to Paris, Munich, and London. The same thing happens all over again. The guys in Germany ask, what do French people in Geneva know about selling software in Germany? The right price in Germany is $25,000 per processor. Every country had a different price. It was crazy. We had about 200 people around the world involved in analyzing and reanalyzing and setting and resetting prices. It cost us a fortune. It was funny, too, because he's talking about one day he's talking to a, uh, there's a story in the book. One day he's talking to one of his American clients and they're like, uh, they, they just casually mentioned, he's like, yeah, I just bought all of the Oracle software through Oracle Brazil. And he's like, why? He's like, because they gave us a better price. He's like, wait, what do you mean? He's like, well, you guys are competing with yourselves. The price in America and Europe and Brazil are different. So we just communicate with Brazil because they'll give us a, be- a better price. Like, this is ridiculous. All right. There's, there's a quote that I always think about um, that I think about a lot. And I learned from Charlie Munger. And he's very explicit if you read his, his books, listen to his speeches, he always talks about the power of incentives. And he, he specifically says, never, ever think about something else when you should be thinking about the power of incentives. It's a hell of a statement from somebody as smart as Charlie Munger, right? This is an example of that. One of the worst, days I, one of the worst ideas I can remember was when, was when Ray decided we didn't do enough selling through partners. The sales force convinced him the way to fix this was to pay more money to the sales force if it went through a partner than if the deal came directly to Oracle. For example, if you sold a million dollar deal directly, Oracle would get a million dollars and you'd get a hundred thousand dollar commission. But if you sold a million dollar deal to a partner, Oracle would get six hundred thousand and you'd get a hundred and twenty thousand dollar commission. So what do you think is gonna happen? Needless to say, our Salesforce pushed through many deals through pushed as many deals as possible through partners that year. So the partners were happy, the Salesforce got higher payments uh, so they were happy, and the only loser was Oracle. So this goes back to the idea that, you know, everything's basically held together by duct tape. Don't idolize humans or companies or anything else. We're all, we all are imperfect. Um, Larry has a lot of ideas. He mentions it over and over again that pe- people underestimate how important the name of your product. 
So he gives an example, network computing architecture got absolutely no traction in the marketplace. So we announced a successor to the product called internet computer architecture and sales took off. The big difference between the two, the name. It never ceases to amaze me how the product name can be the difference between success and failure in the technology industry. I think that quote about the internet being the last model to compute um, is under challenge right now. There's a lot of people trying to push the internet to the edge, uh, doing small forms of compute, um, and seeing seeing if that is kind of the future. There's a lot of compromises. There's a lot of limitations. It remains to be seen whether that's temporary or that's uh, you know more or less permanent, um, or if if that's basically still the same vision, just a little bit more distributed. It's kind of unclear to me. Um, but I I love people when they are early and right, and then just all in on, on conviction like they don't they don't need to wait for another five to ten years to confirm their views they see it early they have a first principles thinking point of validation and then they just go for it 